You're listening to the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast, where we focus on taking your passion and turning it into your profits. Join us for interviews with business experts, industry influencers, and more. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Next Generation Cheer and Gymnastics Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cotton, and today we are sitting down and talking about what I do during uh, comp week, especially my first competition of the season, how I manage myself, how I manage my athletes, and how I hopefully get them ready for success. Uh, Before we get into the episode, though, please make sure you go over to NG Cheer and Gymnastics Owners on Facebook and you join that group. And also check out our website, nextgenowners.com. And lastly, get registered for our conference in Las Vegas, July or January. Wow, not July, uh, January 7th and 8th in Las Vegas. It's going to be at the South Point Hotel. Absolutely amazing. It's going to be so much fun, uh, so much knowledge. So make sure you get registered for that. The details on how to get registered on Eventbrite will be in the show notes. So make sure you check those out and you get registered for conference. Uh, If you ever need anything, please make sure you reach out to me. I am on Facebook. It is Dan Cotton. It's my beautiful bald face. Uh, I'm wearing a suit. I'm much younger. It's probably taken about eight years ago uh, as my profile picture. Uh, You know, friend request me on Facebook uh, and or shoot me an email if you ever need anything. I'm always here for you. I did get some emails uh, after my yesterday. I felt like quitting and I responded to a couple still uh, looking forward to chatting with you more. Uh, also responded to a couple Facebook messages as well. So make sure that if you ever need anything or there's something in this episode that you relate to, reach out. Uh, let's talk about it. So without any further ado, let's get into the episode, which is how I prepare myself and my teams for competitions uh, during the week leading into comp week. Uh, so number one is I uh, make sure that everything is legal and hits the score sheet. So that's number one. Number two is I make sure that my athletes are prepared as I can for the competition environment. So they are mentally and physically ready for that day. And number three is I try to keep it as fun as humanly possible while also keeping the athletes focused and disciplined through practice plans. All right. So those are the three real approaches I'm going to take. Now, why am I talking about this today? Well, for me, I'm headed into my first competition week of the season, and I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm excited. Uh, this is what we do. This is what we train for. And I'm I'm pumped. But at the same time, I'm very nervous. My teams haven't hit the mat yet, except for at Showcase. Showcase didn't go quite as good as I would have liked in terms of hitting a routine. Uh, both of my teams had some some issues uh, in their showcase performances, so it's a little bit stressful. I'm I'm truly and honestly not sure what's going to occur when we go out on that competition floor. Are we going to hit zero? Are we going to have a deduction? Are we going to have multiple deductions? Um, you know, right now neither of my teams have been hitting zero in practice, and that is a stressful feeling. Uh, to know that they're not quite ready and we only have three practices left to get them there. And on top of that, every single team is going to have kids out probably all week with the flu, with sickness. It is going around like crazy right now. Uh, My entire family was down for Thanksgiving, minus me. I was uh, relatively healthy. Um, So I am... 
I'm, I'm a little bit nervous to see what we get this coming week um, in terms of practices. So let's get into, I wanted to talk about the things we're going to get into here in a second, which is how I prepare my teams, what it is I do. Uh, these also help prepare me. They also get me mentally and emotionally prepped. It also keeps me a little bit more grounded. So when I'm at competitions, I'm not guessing, I'm not wondering what we should do. I have a plan. I follow my plan. I stick to my plan. So number one is I make sure that everything is legal and I make sure that everything is hitting the score sheet. Now, for us, I've talked about this in other episodes. We are still competing varsity this year um, and USASF. We do have a world's team. Uh, and in our area, there just really are not any other options other than to compete varsity. Uh, there is one other competition company uh, that is just getting started and it's just not really... Uh, what I'm looking for, as well as the events aren't really in locations I want, and my parents were not excited about the option. Uh, the other competition company kind of in our area is great, um, but they don't really have the same end of season events. And at most of their events, we're going to one of theirs, um, but most of their events are um, too far away to just drive uh, back and forth. And so any of their two-day events, we'd have to get hotels, and they really are more travel events um, and we just don't have the budget to add more of those to our season on our parents when we've already put out our competition schedule. So we are kind of, we're kind of stuck with that. So, uh, what that means is I'm going to first, I'm going to make sure that I film and submit all of the elements in all of my routines to ensure that they are legal. I want to make sure that anything that kind of flirts that line that I don't 150% know is legal I get a legal ruling from USASF. That's really, really important. And when you're trying to push the boundaries in creativity and you're trying to do unique things, you've got to make sure you make those submissions uh, and make sure that things are legal so you don't get to a competition and get a deduction. Um, so I'm making sure that everything has been submitted across all of my teams to ensure that we have legal rulings on all of the unique stuff. Now, some people will say submit everything where uh, someone's feet leave the ground, uh, any stunt, anything like that. I've, I've taken that approach. Um, and I've found that the USASF people seem to get a little bit testy with it. Um, and they don't want us to submit every single thing possible. They kind of want us to be smart enough to know that, well, at level one, I can do a load level lib, uh, in a standard grip, or I can do a prep with a back spot. I don't need to necessarily submit that, uh, because it's not really messing with any lines and it's very clear in the rule book. So I don't submit every single thing if I know it's legal. Um, from there, I also make sure that everything is hitting the score sheet. And this is a really important step, which is to double check all of my numbers. Uh, you have to ensure that you're hitting those uh, most or majority or max uh, participants numbers on the universal score sheet before you go to competition. And the reality is, is that you have probably made changes. You've probably had people quit or you've had people get injured you've replaced people and maybe they can't do everything exactly the same. And you've had a variety of things that have come up that have made it so you need to adjust uh, some of your routine. And when you do that, it's oftentimes very easy to miss something, to not count correctly. And the last thing you want to do is go to an event and realize that 
you pulled someone out of jumps because they needed to do something else and you hurt your numbers that you were originally focused on when you did the choreography or when your choreographer came out. So you need to make sure that you double check all of those things. And yes, it's even possible that your choreographer did not give you enough numbers. You know, years and years ago, I had my level four team. Um, we competed the routine that was choreographed and we didn't max out basket tosses. It cost us a summit bid and we didn't max out basket tosses because our choreographer didn't choreograph enough in, uh, in the same section. And I just was, I just trusted them and I didn't double check that number. And that was an error on my part. So I always go back and I double check those numbers uh, and I'm really diligent. And I would even recommend have a notebook that you keep with you at competitions so you know what your numbers are. You know what your performed numbers are for each of your routines. So if and when you need to go to AccuScore, you can tell them. Or let's say you have an injury in the warm-up room and someone rolls an ankle, but they can still compete, but they're not going to be able to stunt or, or they're not going to be able to tumble or jump. I had this happen to me at an event last year. Uh, one of my beastly bases who was on my level six team and then also was on my level four team. Uh, she rolled her ankle in the warm-up room. And I was like, you know what? Don't worry about it. Don't jump. Um, don't tumble. Like, just take care of your ankle because I need you for both performances tomorrow too. And uh, she was like, okay, got it. And we went out and in our level four routine that she was in, she didn't jump. And I didn't have enough people jumping. And I literally had people standing around in the back doing nothing when they were jumping. But because she didn't jump, I didn't hit my numbers. And that hurt us. And that cost us winning that event. Uh, because the next day we had an amazing score. Uh, so that cost us the win uh, simply because I had that oversight. So I recommend having a notebook where you write down all your numbers, where you have your your um, your majority most max numbers written down for your team and what you are performing. So if and when you have an adjustment you need to make on the fly, you don't make the wrong one and punish your team when it comes to their score. All right, number two is... I try to replicate the competition experience as much as I possibly can so they're mentally and physically ready. So you need to, this is my personal opinion, and I, I'm always amazed when I talk to coaches who've never done this, but you need to really replicate the warm-up process that they are going to see in the warm-up room, meaning we're going to do a stunt mat for six minutes or seven minutes or eight minutes, whatever it is, you want to replicate that and you want to build into their experience what that is. And then when you warm up tumbling, okay, if you're at my gym, we practice on a full floor. So would it be really easy to warm up tumbling and just say, hey, go, you guys have the whole floor? Yes. But we restrict them to basically the back portion of the floor because that replicates tumbling on a tumbling strip. And so they get used to the idea of only having uh, two strips to warm up tumbling on. Same thing with our stunt mat. They get used, we only use two to three strips. So they get used to understanding, hey, this is what it is. We can only do this many groups at a time if we're a larger team. And they know the process. So in the warm-up room, I literally teach my teams that I can do like hand signals 
uh, for pyramid or for elites or for this, and they know what's next, or I can just hold up, you know, if we're on elites, I can just hold up the number two and they know that's the second group that needs to go through their elites. So I'm training them and preparing them for that environment. So they know what the steps are. And I'm not left with them asking me what's next or me thinking, okay, what do we need to warm up next? I'm not missing critical components and I'm absolutely prepared for it. So it's really, really important that you do those things and you prepare your team correctly because they need to know exactly what it is they're going to have to do in the warm-up room. And it's going to help keep you more calm. My teams know, generally speaking, unless something goes wrong, we're going to follow this exact process. Now, what do I mean by something going wrong? Well, if someone's a little bit rattled and a group isn't hitting right, they know that we're going to do it again. Uh, They know that that group will go again. They know what we're going to do on the spring floor, um, which varies year to year. Uh, I know teams that go full out on the last spring floor. I know teams that go uh, stunt through. I know teams that do. I've had teams. My most frequent is mark and check anything you need to check or mark and throw this one thing that's been a little bit off. Uh, Those are generally the things that I do when we have our final spring floor. That's if we have a final spring floor. Sometimes you get to an event and you don't have a final spring floor. You just have a final foam floor. And so if you were thinking of going full out, can't do that anymore. Uh, Me personally, I don't love going full out on the last floor because I don't feel like there's enough time in between that and the performance for my athletes to be recovered. I totally get the idea of wanting to keep them warm though. And a mark through doesn't exactly do that. So you've got to kind of pick what's best for your team. And you may have to experiment with what is it that that team needs. Now, if you coach a level one, man, they can go full out on every single floor and I swear they're fine. Uh, and they can go out on the comp floor, but my level four, or my level six team, if they go full out, uh, right, you know, 10 minutes before they do their comp routine, they're going to be a little bit gassed. And if you've never competed, uh, you know, I can tell you from experience, uh, I've had to step onto the comp mat when we were open, uh, when we had kids get sick or injured or something happened uh, last minute. And let me tell you, the warm up room is hard. Um, like I was going through and I wasn't even tumbling. I was just going through stunts and I was gassed. Like I was very tired and I work out fairly regularly. I don't really like cardio, but I work out pretty regularly and I was really, really tired. So just know that if you, if you really push your kids and you smoke them in the mat room, uh, in warmups, you're probably not going to get the performance that you want. You want the kids going out, um, energized and warm and ready to go. Uh, so that's number two that I am always focusing on when we're getting ready for competitions, uh, and we're getting prepared. I want those athletes to be mentally, physically, and emotionally prepared for the competitions and ready to go. The last one is I keep things as fun and uh, interesting throughout the comp week as I can, uh, while also keeping them structured through practice plans. So I've talked about practice plans before. I think they're absolutely critical throughout a season. You need to be planning your practices um, and making them uh, very, very clear in terms of what it is you're going to do. Now, I know some coaches will practice plan by just saying, we're going to do elites, we're going to do pyramid, we're going to do a full out. And they just write those things down in a list of the things that they want to do. And they call that their practice plan. For me, I like much more detailed practice plans. I like it by the minute, basically, from 
this time to this time, we're warming up. From this time to this time, we're uh, stretching. From this time to this time, we're uh, doing our mat warm up. From this time to this time, we're doing tumble warm up. You know, and I just list it out um, very detailed. From this time to this time, we're cleaning this section of the routine, uh, and. I have it written that way, so I kind of stick to that plan. Now, I definitely get off sometimes, uh, but I do my best to stick to that plan. And then from there, I actually I, I spent the time and the energy to make it so we can display our practice plans on a TV at the front of the floor so that athletes know, like the practice plan is just up there. It's in a Canva presentation. It looks all pretty. And they know what we're going to do at practice. And I found that practices where I display the practice plan, they are much more disciplined. They're much more focused. They know what is expected of them. They know what the plan is for practice. Like they are interested in knowing what we're going to do as opposed to five years ago, my approach as a coach would be, Hey, go get water. And that kid who would always do it would come up and go, Hey, what are we doing next? And I'll say, I'll tell you when I tell you and, or I'll tell you when the whole group is back together. Now they just know. They know they're going to go get water and they're going to come back and they're going to warm up tumbling or they're going to do X, Y, and Z thing. And so I create those practice plans so they are in the know. And then I want to keep practices hard but fun. I want them to be physically challenging. I want them to be preparing them for competition, but I want to be building their confidence as much as I can. Now, that doesn't mean I don't hold them accountable. That doesn't mean I don't tell them when they didn't do a good job. But the more that I can build their confidence, the more that I can put them in positions where they're challenged, but they get to find that success and get better, the better, because they're going to progress even better when I do those things. So it's absolutely critical to keep those practices interesting, exciting, fun. Uh, so they're pumped to come to practice and they want to work hard and get ready for the event. So that's what I do to kind of make practices fun and interesting. Sometimes I'll play games. When I play games, all my games are um, related to uh, reward and consequence. Uh, and it's designed to stress them out. So, you know, hey, we're going to do, we're going to play a game that des determines what we do at practice. But if you hit it, you get this. If you uh, drop it, you have this consequence. And what that does is it puts stress on them um, and it forces them to either try a little bit harder or we get to see who are those kids that crack under that pressure so we can start mentally training them and preparing them for the stressors of a competition. And by putting them in stressful positions, it does that. So uh, for instance, I've heard a lot of coaches say you can never use conditioning as a punishment. Okay, well, I don't use it as a punishment, but I use it as a consequence sometimes. So when you say, Hey, we're going to do this thing. Every drop is 20 burpees or every drop is a floor of bear crawls. Uh, you'll see the attitude of the athletes change, especially older athletes who understand, you know, okay, I can change this circumstance. You'll see the effort change. And I myself have been in the position where I've been super frustrated. We'll be dropping a sequence over and over and over. Someone will drop randomly and I'll go fine. Everyone that drops this time is a floor of bear crawls. Boom. They hit flawless. And I'm like, okay, so that was an, an issue of focus and effort and like willingness to do it. Like now that there's a consequence, now you're really, really trying and you're thinking about doing your job and only your job. Sometimes though, you'll find that you get that flyer who's like, okay, floor bear crawls, I'm going to help. And they go to do that full up and they just chuck their body around because they're trying to make it better and they're really making it worse. So there's a lot of um, factors there that you can incorporate in terms of games. There's a lot of different things you can do to add risk and reward and keep things fun uh, 
Like you don't want to make it a game where it's like they hate doing it. Uh, but all of my kids are like, okay, game like, oh, we know this is going to be hard, but it is going to be interesting and we're going to have a good time doing it. So make sure that if you're doing a game like that, there is a reward if there is a consequence. So if they do it right, what do they get? And what they get, you know, I've done candy. That's actually not as good of a, I don't get as good of results with like candy uh, for my older kids because uh, most of them, you know, don't want to admit that they eat candy in front of their peers. Uh, so there's, you can do something like candy or uh, I've found that things like, uh, your coach is going to do a robot dance for you for 30 seconds, or we're going to mark through the routine as your coaches or things that are funny or fun. Uh, you get to lay down for two minutes, uh, is like, they love it. They're like, yes, we get to lay on our backs for two minutes. Uh, it, you know, you give them those little rewards, uh, that they get pumped up about, but that don't cost you really anything for practice and are fun and interesting and like help bond you as a team. So that's how I handle a competition week. Now, if you need help with that, if you aren't sure what to do, uh, we have our coaches group as well. It's not quite as active as our owners group. And we'd love to see it be more active, but there are coaches in there. You can post questions. You can post uh, asking for help getting ready for competition week. Uh, there's so many different resources that we have. We also are going to be talking a lot about coaching at our conference. We actually have an entire coaches track. I'm going to be teaching. Danielle is going to be teaching. Callie Seitzer is going to be teaching. Sean Guzman is going to be teaching. Uh, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal instruction. You're going to learn so much good stuff about how to prepare your teams, how to train your athletes in tumbling, how to train your athletes in stunting. Oh, Shelly Shepard's going to be teaching in that uh, track. So much amazing stuff. So make sure that even if you're a coach listening to this, you come to our conference. It is going to be phenomenal. It is the best conference of the year. It's definitely the best conference you can get mid-season. It is absolutely amazing. You're going to learn so much, and we want to see you there. So get registered for that. Get there. Get learning. You can always be growing and learning as a coach. The day I stop learning as a coach is the day I need to stop coaching because I need to constantly be evolving my mindset and getting better and stronger as a coach. So as you head into comp week, I want you to like, just take a deep breath. All right. And I'm doing this myself. I am known like my staff all knows Dan gets stressed at competitions and I'm doing my absolute best to not do that. One, I don't think it's good for my personal health. And two, I try to think of how that makes my athletes feel when I exude nervousness and they can see it on my face, then that is going to translate to their feelings as well as opposed to me exuding calm and confidence. So that's my approach this year. I'm really trying to exude calm and confidence, both internally and extrinsically. I want to make sure that they know that I am calm, that I believe in them, that I trust them, and that I can actually, I know that they can accomplish what it is that we are going for. So as you go into the comp week, what I want you to do is I want you to write out your practice plans and I want you to make sure that your practice plans, at least one or two of them, have the ability to mimic very closely what it is that happens at competition so your athletes are prepared, so you're prepared, so you have a plan when you get there, when you don't have it fully written out, and you can just go out there and crush it. All right, everyone, if you've already competed awesome. I'm proud of you. If you're getting ready to compete, you got it. Take a deep breath. Your teams can get there. If you work hard, 
if you continue to grow as a coach and if you lead them in that direction. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. We've got an amazing episode coming on Tuesday. Uh, I interviewed uh, Matthew Becker from gymlawyers.com. And we talked about a lot of the legal aspects of opening a gym, of owning your gym, and some of the things that you need to make sure that you have in place to make sure that you are legally protected. Uh, It was a phenomenal conversation. We talked for an hour. Uh, I'm going to be releasing that episode on Tuesday. uh, So make sure you're prepared for that. Make sure you catch that episode when it drops and you give it a listen. Uh, If you're looking for another great podcast, make sure you check out the uh, Let's Talk Cheer podcast with Jason Larkins. It's absolutely amazing. He has great conversations with people. I love listening to it every week. Uh, So make sure you check that podcast out. He's got a lot of great content uh, and it's a lot of fun to listen. With that, I will see you all in Vegas and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Next Generation Gym Owners People and Profits Podcast. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, click the link in our description to apply. If you're interested in joining NextGen, visit our website at www.nextgenowners.com. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening.